usually we read some scripture and then we have a sermon. But today, this is a, a chapter, that, a long passage that really divides into a number of scenes. So we'll have a scene or two and then some sermon and then a scene and we'll work through it that way. But first let us pray for illumination. O oh God, illumine our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit so that as scripture is read and your word is proclaimed, our eyes may see your kingdom, our ears may hear the call of Jesus, and our hearts may know the joy of your salvation. Amen. Well, last week we read about a Samaritan woman who met Jesus. Remember a man without a bucket at a deep well. Her encounter was transformative, life-changing. Today we meet a man born blind. Now in the Gospel of John, there are what we have called, we call miracles, but they, he calls them signs. They're called signs because they're more than a single event, such as the healing of one person. They're signs of something larger. They signify who Jesus is is and his victory over sin and death. So listen now for God's word as we read the ninth chapter of John's gospel, a story about a man born blind whose life was changed, transformed by an encounter with Jesus Christ. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went away and washed. When he returned, he could see. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So Jesus is walking along, sees a man born blind, and what do the disciples do? They ask him to explain. Whose fault is this? Whose sin? Now it's kind of hard to figure how the man sinned before he was ever born, because he was born blind, but they saw that as an option. They wanted an explanation. Only two possibilities, his mom and daddy or him. But Jesus said, this is not a whodunit. It's a mystery. Now, even now, when we encounter a tragedy, we want an explanation, some person to blame, some reason that explains why did this happen. In my career with North Carolina's Division of Services for the Blind, that why, or much more often why me, question was one that came up a lot. <clears throat> I told my clients that some people can find an answer in their faith or their philosophy. Others, well, others, others learn to live with the questions. 
Sometimes people would talk about this very story from the ninth chapter of John. The funny thing is, they'd remember the question that the disciples asked Jesus about why, but almost nobody remembered what the answer was. Not because someone had sinned, but so that God's mighty works could be displayed. Now what happened next must have startled the man born blind. Jesus spat on the ground, made mud, smeared it on his eyes, and said, go wash. Don't you just wonder what that man thought when a stranger came up to him and rubbed mud on his eyes and said, now go wash. I bet he had never had a day quite like that. And you can imagine what he thought after he washed and for the very first time in his whole life, he could see. Now back when I was working for services for the blind, I would go see clients at the Rehabilitation Center for the Blind. It's in Raleigh now, but back then it was in Butner, North Carolina, or Camp Butner, as the old timer said. One day we had a visitor who was offering her services, very specialized services. She was offering to work with people who had to deal with the trauma of regaining their vision. Well, I told this sweet psychiatrist that we would just love to fill up her schedule, but that just, that had never happened at the Rehab Center for the Blind. Most of the work we had to do was dealing with the hard realities of adjusting to losing vision. Very few people regained it. Certainly not blind from birth would they gain it. Now remember that in Bible days, people who were blind they didn't just have a disability, they were the fringes of society. If you had a disability, you couldn't work. Whatever food, whatever clothing, whatever shelter, whatever you had came from the kindness of your family or the kindness of strangers from your begging, the kindness of your community. So the man born blind was suddenly different. And you know people noticed as we read in this, this chapter by the way, as we read the rest of this chapter, notice how often the word know comes up, knowledge comes up over and over, a dozen times. The second scene resumes our story at the eighth verse where the neighbors get involved. The man's neighbors and those who used to see him when he was a beggar said, isn't this a man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is. And others said, no. It's someone who looks like him. But the man said, yes, it's me, it's me. Here I am. So they asked him, how are you now able to see? He answered, the man they called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. And then I could see. They asked, where is this man? And he replied, I don't know. This again is the word of the Lord. Now we get to the third scene, starting at 13 verse, moving from the neighbors to the Pharisees. And they got some questions for this suddenly sighted man. Then they led the man who had been born blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus made the mud and smeared it on the man's eyes on a Sabbath day. Uh-oh. 
So the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. And the man told him, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some Pharisees said, this man isn't from God because he breaks the Sabbath law. Others said, how could a sinner do miraculous signs like these? So they were divided. Some of the Pharisees questioned the man who had been born blind again. What do you have to say about him since he's healed your eyes? He replied, he's a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Now at verse 18, as the fourth scene starts, the Pharisees interrogate the parents. The Jewish leaders didn't believe that the man had been born blind and, and they received his sight until they called for his parents. The Jewish leaders asked him, is this your son? Are you saying he was born blind? How can he now see? His parents answered, we know he's our son. We know that he was born blind, but we don't know how he now sees, and we don't know who healed his eyes. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they feared the Jewish authorities. This is because the Jewish authorities had already decided whoever confessed Jesus to be the Christ would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he's old enough, ask him. Therefore, they called a second time for the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. This is the word. Well, that poor guy, you know, he would figure that even if the neighbors turned him into authorities, well, they didn't know what to make of it, so they turned him into authorities, at least mom and daddy will stand up for me. But no, they feared the authorities more than they loved their own son. They were ready to cut him loose because their fear was greater than their love. And when the Pharisees called the man born blind a second time, remember that before they said, we know this man's a sinner. Remember, before they said that, they said, give glory to God. Well, what I've, what I've read is that this, this was their way of saying, tell the truth. Tell the truth. We know this man's a sinner. Well, in the fifth scene, the Pharisees quizzed the man born blind. The man answered, I don't, I don't know whether he's a sinner. Here's what I know. I was blind, and now I see. They questioned him. What did he do to you? How did he heal your eyes? He replied, I already told you, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want us to become his disciples too? They insulted him. You are his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man is from. The man answered, this is incredible. You don't know where he's from, yet he healed my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. God listens to anyone who's devout and does God's will. No one has ever, ever heard of healing the eyes of someone born blind. If this man wasn't from God, he couldn't do it. He could not do this. And they responded, you were born completely in sin. How is it that you dare to teach us? Then they expelled him. 
Now as we come to the next to the last, the sixth scene, let me ask you a question. Here we are about to get to verse 35. Have you noticed who we hadn't heard from since way back at verse 7? Jesus. He hadn't spoken for 28 verses, but he sure was the topic of them, those verses. Here he seeks out the man he gave vision to. Jesus heard that they had expelled the man born blind. Finding him, Jesus said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. Then in the Sabbath, the last scene of the story, Jesus teaches the Pharisees. Jesus said, I have come into the world to exercise judgment so that those who don't see can see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard what he said and said, Surely we aren't blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you wouldn't have any sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At the beginning of this chapter, the disciples asked Jesus, whose fault? Who's to blame for the man being born blind? So let me ask you a question. What was it this man did to be healed? We are not told that he was especially outstanding in his character or behavior. He was not searching for Jesus. He was not calling out. There are other Bible stories where someone's calling out, Jesus, Jesus, help me. He wasn't calling out. He was just a guy with a disability at the wrong time who encountered Jesus Christ and his life was changed. We do know that when Jesus told him to do something, go wash, he did it. And that when he gained his sight, that's when he gained his sight. We also know that his neighbors didn't know what to make of it and they took it to the authorities who didn't like it at all because they saw that as a violation of the Sabbath. They had rules about healing. If somebody were about to die, you could doctor them on the Sabbath. But if it could wait till Monday or the next day, you're supposed to wait. That was the rule. We also know that this nameless man recognized the authority of Jesus, telling him first, I want to believe, and then saying, Lord, I believe. We don't know what happened next in the life of this man. We do know that the events of this one day changed him from then on. What the man born blind learned on the day Jesus rubbed mud in his eyes. And what we need to remember and hold in our hearts is what Jesus said the chapter before, in the eighth chapter of John. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me won't walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Thanks be to God. There's a scholar at Columbia Seminary who in, in Decatur, Georgia, where I spent my first three years, named Anna Carter Florence. She has written that proof and explanation have their place, but not in this passage. 
This passage that we just read, the ninth chapter of John, is about time, before and after, then and now, who we were for years and years and who we are today. The moment of conversion itself isn't nearly as important as the difference it made. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. So join me by turning to number 202. Stand if you're able and let us together sing. Amazing grace. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.